Oh, thanks for the energy, y'all. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. Marcel Swally, I'm back. Emmanuel it's good Ocho. to see you, my brother. He's still here getting it. Let's get started. In Cleveland, where Deshaun Watson whoo, scheduled to face a disciplinary hearing starting tomorrow for 24 allegations of sexual assault. A report says the NFL plans to argue for an indefinite suspension of at least one year. Watson can apply for reinstatement after this season if the suspension goes through. Acho, what punishment are you expecting for Deshaun Watson? Uh, I'm expecting at least half a season for Deshaun Watson. I'm expecting at least eight games. Sal, I'm going to borrow something from you. Um, The reason I'm expecting this is for this reason. Never in life do you have to pay the tax before the bill. Mm. You always have to pay Mm. the bill first, Mm. and then you pay the tax. Okay. But for the first time in Deshaun Watson's life, he is going to have to pay the tax before the bill. And he's going to have to pay the stupid tax. Mm -hmm. The NFL is suspending Deshaun Watson some amount of time. We all know that. Yeah. And they're not suspending him because he has been found guilty of anything, because he has yet to be found guilty of anything. Mm. He has just been accused by several women of several different things. Mm. So he ain't paying the bill just Mm. yet. The bill Deshaun Watson will have to pay is once a ruling has been put in play. Mm. Deshaun Watson is simply paying the tax, and it's that stupid tax. (laughs) And whether you think Deshaun Watson is innocent, whether you think Deshaun Watson is guilty, we can all acknowledge this and come into agreement on this. Putting himself in this situation... It's stupid. Mm, Allegedly, 66 massage therapists is stupid. And I don't deem this as offensive because I would assume Deshaun Watson at some point in time would have been like, man, why was I so stupid? Stupid. So Mm. I anticipate a suspension, which is simply the tax. It's not the bill. The bill is going to get handed at some point in time, or it will not. Deshaun Watson will either be found innocent or he will be found guilty. That is the bill. But this suspension that the NFL is going to lay down is simply the tax. And it is a stupid tax, which Deshaun Watson does have to pay because he has embarrassed the shield. I'll talk more on that later. Mm, I'm expecting what you're expecting, but much, much more. See, your baseline is half a season. I think the NFL is arguing for at least a year of indefinite suspension because that's the starting point. That's the baseline. Ooh, they're going to come down heavy-handed because he is guilty of something. Heavy-handed like that sounds. Criminal investigation, criminal charges, no, he is not guilty. Civil charges, 20 settlements and four outstanding and maybe more coming. But for 20, at least he's not guilty. You're not guilty of either one of those. It's shaming the shield. Mm -hmm. What is the mantra they tell us all as professional football players? Please protect the shield. I'll give you an example. I was sitting there in Jacksonville. We had a malcontent, little offense alignment, little, 6'7", 330. Coach Jack Del Rio, come to the board. Big man standing there on a big white board behind him. He drew the shield. And he said, which one is bigger? You're looking at 6'7", 330, and you're looking at a little two-inch shield. He said, that shield, don't you ever forget it. So you have to understand, when you're playing in the NFL, why do we all have to protect the shield? And why does the NFL now have to protect its image when they come down with this punishment? Because we're all affected by how the NFL comes down in its punishment towards Deshaun Watson. Here's one example. The fan base of Cleveland, that may be torn maybe up in half. Because some are like, why do we have Deshaun Watson on our team with all of these allegations? And some people are like, 
He's found not guilty. He's a football player. Look at that talent. Let him go out there and be our quarterback and lead us to a championship. But now that's connected to every other franchise league-wide when it's talking to his sponsors, when it's trying to get his bottom line paid. Deshaun Watson, a premier player, will have an impact not only on that bottom line in terms of perception, but on us in terms of projection in actual money. So the NFL can't let this go by. The NFL's already found itself in murky waters, Mm -hmm. being a little too light-handed with some of his punishments. Retroactively, even had to come back where he writes comes to mind on some of his punishments. Deshaun Watson's going to feel the full wrath because, yeah, he got a a guaranteed contract, but ain't no guarantees that he's going to play next year because they're coming down heavy-handed. Here, though, Sal, is the dilemma the NFL is going to put itself in. I would argue that the beauty of our judicial system is that it's black and white. Mm. It's not gray. Well, if you typically the yeah, beauty yeah. of our judicial yeah. system, most people say it ain't black. <laughs> Might not be pro-black, but it's black and white. Yeah, yeah. It is not gray. Driving down, a, uh, driving down a highway, <laughs> driving down a ten, driving down a four hundred five, whatever the case may be, mm. they different. <laughs> but there's a speed limit. Yes. If you go over the speed limit, you can get pulled over. Right. It ain't a cop center like. He looked like he's speeding. Let me go ahead and put. No, no, no. There is no he looks like. There is a radar, and the radar tells you, based upon the laws that are literally in black and white, which speed limits are written in, whether or not somebody has committed a crime. What the NFL is doing is starting to get real gray in a black and white judicial system. Hmm. Because what the NFL is doing is saying 24 civil cases, yeah, that looks bad. We got to do something. But the judicial system works based off black and white, Mm. not based off the interpretation of something. Because Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended by the NFL, in my opinion, because he embarrassed the shield. Well, what level of embarrassment dictates what level of suspension? Okay, I like that. See, in in ball, we know Mm. a holding penalty, 10 yards. Mm. A false start, 5 yards. An offside, Five yards, a P.I., a spot of the foul. We know things are black and white. This punishment dictates this certain, uh, this, this action dictates this punishment. We don't just sit there and say, man, eh, he held them pretty egregious. Let's make this a 12-yard penalty. No, <laughs> because the NFL now would put itself in a tough position. I think regardless of how they suspend Deshaun Watson, the NFL's putting itself in a tough position because now how do you dictate embarrassing the shield and punishment accordingly? I'll remind you of one thing before you take this rock back and run with it. Please remind me. Remember when we quite literally witnessed an assault, if you will, on camera. Ezekiel Elliott, Mardi Gras, pulls a woman's top down. Oh, Zeke didn't get suspended for that. In my mind, I would assume that is embarrassment of the shield. In your mind, as a relative, as an empathetic human being and a man that has daughters, has a wife, all of the things, mm. I would also assume you might even have a higher level of understanding and empathy than me. Mm. That, to me, is embarrassing the shield. No suspension. So it's just the NFL putting itself in a tough predicament Because it needs to be black and white, regardless of the suspension that they do levy, because they will levy a suspension, because a suspension does need to be levied, I think they're getting into murky water. It's a private entity that protects them in murky water situations, right? They're not tied to the legal system. They're not tied to our legislation entirely. Think about it. Ezekiel Elliott, 2017, domestic violence accusation by one woman. Never charged, suspended six games. Mm -hmm. 
It's not 66 accusations or 24 civil suits. Ben Roethlisberger, sexual assault allegation, never charged, suspended for six games. Woo! They protected the shield because you shamed the shield. An accusation, an allegation. Now, none of those are to the degree of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is now going to find himself in a different judgment system. It's not criminal. It's not civil. It's the private entity of the NFL that says we must protect the shield. And they protected the shield to a six-game and six-game suspension with one accusation each. Imagine now when they got 66 on the line. And there's 24, 24, 24 civil suits, four outstanding, potentially more outstanding. Sean Watson finds himself in this position. He's in a position where he can't justify fully. If Deshaun Watson could come up with an, a great answer to why did you have 66 different massage therapists, your stupid tax. If he could answer why he was in this position in the first place, I think his suspension okay. could be lighter. Uh, I think he would have something to push back with. But not a professional athlete alive, not anyone in the executive office could sit back comfortably and tell themselves in the mirror, yeah, I can justify having that many different massage therapists. I think that's where the dominoes start to fall and this rolls downhill. Well, he can't justify it because there's no justification. Yeah. Again, it really does not matter on what side of the ledger you land. There is no justification mm. for 60-plus massage therapists. Mm. 24 allegations. There is no justification. Yeah, yeah. So for that reason you got to pay a tax on that. I think where it gets very interesting is if you say Deshaun Watson should be suspended indefinitely, suspended indefinitely because he was accused. So don't you think as a former athlete, obviously a former athlete who did not dare get himself into a situation like this, Woo! but a former athlete nonetheless, as a former athlete, don't you think the NFL is potentially running the risk of players now can be suspended based on alle- continuing to cement its risk of mm-hmm. players can be suspended based on allegations? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the judicial yeah, system yeah. is innocent and pro-proven guilty, but as long as you are accused of being guilty, now we can suspend you. Don't you think the NFL is potentially walking down a slippery slope of putting their athletes in compromising positions. Clearly, Deshaun Watson has put himself in a compromising position. Let me make that overtly clear. But I'm talking about the future of Marcia MJ Jr.'s Yeah, yeah. I've thought about this tremendously. Um, What detonates this situation for Deshaun Watson is not the number of accusations for me. It's really why did you get accused that many times and your steps to being accused? Going to Instagram, direct questioning people are you a massage therapist? Have you ever given a massage? Already tells you that your intent is not holistic. Your intent is not what is being advertised as someone who is a massage therapist. Even one of the stories is he meets a massage therapist that he never got a massage from and meets her family and her mom first. Bruh, here's the thing. Do we love Deshaun Watson more than we love the truth? Because if we love the truth, ain't nobody going to sit here, including the NFL, and say, Deshaun Watson, you're not going to pay a tax that's going to be much more egregious, much more extensive than six games. Because why did you go through these steps? Remember, they have precedents in this situation. Every other NFL player that you will poll, what's the most massage therapist you've ever had? You probably won't get one player with more than 10. Maybe. 
Maybe Tom Brady because he played the longest. Nobody over 10. And this guy is sitting here within 17 months during a pandemic when at any time you're inclined to not touch somebody else, it's during that time you got six to six. So I don't think this is murky for this one reason. The NFL is taking its time. They could have legislated this a lot faster, but they're listening to what's happening with the civil suits, respectfully. And they're also listening to our reaction, our outcry. All of that is a part of the formula which you're going to use to levy out this punishment. But Deshaun can't answer that one question, bro. So that's why he's getting Answer me this. Answer me this. Yeah? Deshaun Watson got suspended because he was blank. Fill in that blank. <sighs> Deshaun Watson got suspended because... He has now projected something that the NFL does not want projected, which is this. This is how we do business. This is how we get down. This is how our players take care of themselves. The ways that Deshaun Watson went about this in the first place, when you had these accusations and then you wanted to fight for your name. I told you then and I tell you now, Deshaun Watson will never get his name back to where it was. He can get his money. He can get his opportunity to play. His name will never be where it was because of this all coming out. And it's still coming out. He got suspended. Oh, he's under punishment, potential suspension for this very reason. Then it feels like we don't want people to think this is how we do business. That is embarrassing our league. That is embarrassing our perception. That is not protecting the shield. That is actually and factually shaming the shield. If Deshaun Watson has not yet been found guilty, because he hasn't, yeah. correct? Hasn't yet been found guilty. Don't you think or could you argue like, well, until he is found guilty, he should not be suspended because now you are suspending someone who, based upon our judicial system, is innocent. Not based upon what I think, not mm -hmm. based upon what you at home think, not based upon what Marcellus Wiley thinks, based upon the way our judicial system, which has existed for centuries, yeah. based upon the way in which our judicial system is founded, yeah. in theory, yeah. Deshaun Watson is innocent. In yeah. theory. Deshaun Watson is innocent yeah. as it stands right now. Yeah. Don't you think it would be, someone could argue it could be wrong that the NFL is suspending someone who is innocent? Yeah, but when you have a private entity, you're protected to have your own set of rules, con code of conduct. It's not illegal to come to work late. Come to work late and I'm the, I'm the boss. <laughs> hey, brother, like, you can't legislate this. And it's going to be difficult to see how they balance this out because like you said, there is no court of law that has found him guilty just yet. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in terms of the court of common sense and the court of public opinion, Goodell has to read that temperature. And so far, looks like it may be guilty. And there's another side of the quarterback situation going on in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield is still on the roster. But there have been trade rumors with the Seahawks and Panthers named as possible destinations. Macho, do the Browns need Baker more than he needs them? Wow. Absolutely at this point. Um, so we always what? say this, big bank. Take Lil Bank. Big Bank, take Lil Bank. Uh, um, which simply means boy, that, that means. the NFL organizations is more powerful than a player. That's all it really means okay. as it pertains to football. Yeah, yeah. The Big Bank, the NFL organization, it will take the Lil Bank of the player. Mm. But that also then means that the Big Bank has more to lose than the player. I'm True listening. story. Okay. I don't know why this ever happened to me, but this happened one time in my NFL career. One time. One time. <laughs> I walked into the stadium. I walked into the Eagle Stadium, a Lincoln Financial Field, and I looked and I said, yo, this is crazy. When? Everybody in here works for the owner. 
Yeah. It's something to grab. Oh, like, oh, okay. Everybody in here yeah. works for Jeffrey Lurie. Yes, I yes. Said, That's the, it was the most mind-blowing yes. realization, illumination of my life. I got one. All the people in this joint yes. work for Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I took two more strides down the field, and I stopped again. And so, wait a second. But Jeffrey Lurie got to pay all the people in this mm, mm, That's a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> I said, wait a second. What? See, we're looking at this Browns-Baker situation like, man, Baker, you ain't got a job as it's going to be if the Brown Browns don't need you. Mm. But then I'm like, wait, Baker's on the hook for $18 million. That's a lot of money for Baker. Okay. But the Browns stand to lose a lot more than $18 million if they don't have a competent starting quarterback. Yeah. If Deshaun Watson is suspended, if Baker Mayfield don't want to play, they're left with Jacoby Brissett, who just hasn't proven a ton in the National Football League as a starter. So as I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait, the Browns need Baker more than Baker needs the Browns because Baker's on the hook for the 18 mil anyway. Mm. So regardless, this coming season, Baker Mayfield is making $18 million. Yes. But the Browns might not get a snap out of Baker Mayfield. Oh, man. Well stated. Got me thinking a little bit about my position. And actually, you're going to make me solidify my position to make it even stronger. They don't need Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield needs the Browns. But he had the Browns, and he let the Browns go. Remember, Baker Mayfield had four starting seasons. So that's your first attempt of saying who's in control in this situation, who needs who. Baker, you're the franchise quarterback. Take care of business. You will be the franchise quarterback. But he's not anymore because he didn't take care of business. Now, this offseason, they tried to control Baker Mayfield. You don't like that word. They tried to help Baker Mayfield retain his value as they were trying to work through the Deshaun Watson situation. They tried to help Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield went out there in total emotional state and hurt his own value. So now Baker Mayfield is like, look, I'm going to get my money, but where am I going to get my money from? He's in limbo in terms of this situation. He's a third rail. He is someone that you can't touch. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you can never put him out there. Now, I'm going to prove to you, hopefully, why you shouldn't put him out there. Jacoby Brissett, it's interesting with Jacoby Brissett because last year he only had five starts, and then you got to kind of piece his starts mm -hmm. together to get the same body of work that you get from Baker Mayfield. But I was able to do that. Actually, it was Andy. But Andy and I are the same when I'm on the show. 9-11 and 11 was Baker Mayfield's record in his last 20 starts. Let's have some fun. Fun trivia. All right, bartender, get him a double water. Give me a double that gin. Okay, what was Jacoby Brissett's record in the last 20? You know it's going to be the same or better, right? <laughs> Nine and 11, same record. I wonder who had a higher completion percentage. Anybody? Last 20 starts? Acho? Brissett or Baker? Oh, you know it's Jacoby. Make it a triple. Okay, <laughs> touchdown to interception ratio. 29 and 23 for Baker. Amazing. 23 and 9 for Brissett? Wait a minute, better? Huh? Passer rating higher? Huh? Sacked more. Baker Mayfield? Huh? Where are we going here? Rushing touchdowns more. Jacoby Brissett? Huh? Are you serious? So here's the calculation. It's simple as this. Deshaun Watson going to be our quarterback sooner or later. He's going to be our quarterback. Baker, we're done with you. We tried to help you, and you hurt yourself. We can never put you in a position to lead us again. Jacoby, looking at your last 20 starts, not only, not only are you the same as Baker Mayfield, but many of these stats say that you're better than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> We'll roll the dice on you, Jacoby Brissett. You'll take us as far as Baker Mayfield could take us, and then Deshaun will come take us to rest. Coming up, Kevin Durant is not taking any signs of disrespect lightly, as he should. 
We'll tell you if we like him clapping back at his critics. But first, Kyrie Irving is still KD's teammate. For now, we'll tell you if LeBron should want to reunite with his former Cavs teammate. That's next. Don't speak for yourself. That's good. Now, report says Kyrie Irving has created a list of six teams he'd like the Nets to consider working on a sign-and-trade deal. Mm. Now, if they cannot agree on terms for him to stay in Brooklyn, one of those teams is the Lakers. Mm. A report and a report says LeBron James' squad is the only team known to be seeking Kyrie in a sign and deal. Things getting spicy in yes. Brooklyn, and I love it. But, Sel, should yep. LeBron want to reunite with Kyrie? Absolutely, he should want to reunite with Kyrie. After he reunites with AD, first of all, find out where AD at. Go to that rehab facility wherever AD hides out and say, um, you want to come back and win another championship? And imagine this, Acho. You add Kyrie Irving to AD and LeBron healthy and available. You got something special. This is how special it is. Every year that Kyrie Irving and LeBron James played together, they went to the finals. Hmm, that's kind of special. Would you not want to reunite with someone who has that kind of magic touch with you in terms of your potential as a duo and in the Lakers situation it would actually be a trio hell yeah Kyrie and LeBron were able to beat the best regular season team in NBA history together what could they do now oh well Kyrie ain't the same well he's not available but he's the same if not even better Kyrie Irving averaged 27 points a game last year those are buckets I'm assuming in this conversation we're going to get to, that means that Russell Westbrook probably is not on this roster. I know they're trying to position him to focus on defense first, but at $47.3 million in player option, I don't think defense is going to come first to Russell Westbrook. But no matter how you make this formula work, Kyrie, LeBron, and AD is special, even in the West where we know it's going to be murderous row. LeBron should not at all want to reunite with Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving ain't the same Kyrie Irving that LeBron knew and loved in Cleveland. Hmm. The biggest changes in our maturation stage occur at this point. There's, there's one point in everybody's life where there's an exponential change yeah, yeah. in maturation. You're 13 your on the floor at home by yourself, and you're just chilling. You're like, yo, I got hair everywhere. No? Not there. Oh, no, no. Okay. When you go to college. Oh, okay, okay. When you go to college because yeah, yeah. you no longer have adult supervision. And so when you go to college, that's when you really find out, like, who you are. Like, what you stand for, what you believe in. Mm. Or that's when you go off the deep end. You know so many cats, your five-year, ten-year reunion? Yes, my brother. Yo, that's so-and-so? <laughs> what happened to them? Yeah. Man, they went down to UT and changed. <laughs> when Kyrie left Cleveland, he went to college. He left his adult supervision. When he left Cleveland and went to Boston, all of a sudden, he had no longer had his LeBron James chaperone. Remember, it was 2018 when Kyrie started to say, ah, uh, the earth isn't round, it's flat. What's wrong with that? Remember Kyrie Irving all of a sudden stops playing games because somebody called him the N-word. I would assume that he'd been called the N-word on the court before. Remember in 2020, Kyrie Irving didn't want to play basketball because of social injustice, social unrest. People were being shot. Black people had been shot. People had been shot and not been arrested prior to Kyrie Irving <laughs> leaving Cleveland. Let's remember, I believe it was, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a, a death in Cleveland, oh, yeah. mind you. Okay. An unfortunate tragedy of someone in Cleveland. Mm. And Kyrie Irving was there. Mm. So Kyrie Irving had seen all of these things in Cleveland that he saw after he left Cleveland. Mm. The earth didn't change in 2018. Huh. But all of a sudden, Kyrie Irving's opinion of the earth changed. The Kyrie Irving that LeBron knew in Cleveland 
is not the Kyrie Irving that exists today. Mm. And for that reason, why in the world would you want to reunite when the reason you all broke apart has only been accentuated? You broke apart because of egos. Kyrie Irving's ego hasn't gotten any smaller, and LeBron James's growth has only gotten bigger. He's now a billionaire. Mm. When he left Kyrie, mm. he had no billions, mm. probably 600 million, 500 million, 700 million. But LeBron has become bigger. Kyrie Irving's ego has become bigger. Toxic. Yeah, but what has changed is maybe desperation, maybe a true desire to play with each other because they have went their separate ways and been able to date others out there and realize that, oh, Kyrie, you weren't as bad as I thought you were. AD ain't available either. <laughs> I won a championship with you. I won one with him. Where is he right now? Hurt? Where are you? Unavailable? What's the difference? At least yours is easier to correct, Kyrie, versus AD. Run down the court. Bop. Some pops. Never can predict or rely on that. So in this situation, using your example and analogy, I think they went to school together. I think they graduated Went into the real world, had all these dreams that met reality, and now they're in a different place, which happens to all of us, right? How many times you met somebody, you're like, what you do? I'm a venture capitalist. Yeah, oh, really? So you majored in econ? Nah, sociology. Huh? What just happened? What just happened? Uh, cats go left, right, anyway. The only thing that's constant is change in this world. And I think right now, because of the changing forces, LeBron has done this before. When LeBron sees that there is a formidable foe out there, he will recalibrate his entire squad to deal with that foe. And he will miscalculate at times doing <laughs> that as well. When LeBron James wanted to go and battle the San Antonio Spurs of the early teen years, right? That's why he didn't want Andrew Wiggins. He was like, uh-uh, I got to have Kevin Love, somebody else to go out there, bring Tim Duncan out, et cetera, right? And then what happened? Golden State Warriors showed up out of nowhere. And LeBron was sitting there miscalculating. But in this situation, he sees Golden State up there. He sees a healthy Clippers team. He sees Phoenix, et cetera. He knows what he needs. I need buckets. And I thought Westbrook was going to give us energy and buckets. He gave you a little less in both columns. So now he's doing another calculation. LeBron has been guilty of this before. Why is he now going to be held to an opinion where he can't do the same thing that's worked for him? What they say, Sal, uh, only a dog returns to his vomit. And LeBron James, <laughs> he ain't no fool returning to that, that they, vomit. That they oh, that. Maybe that's what they be saying. <laughs> there was a moment in Kyrie and LeBron's relationship where I knew it was, I believe, what's the word, untenable? Mm. There was a moment mm. in their relationship where I knew this was unsalvageable. Mm. So go back to 2018. They no longer play together. Yeah. Kyrie plays for the Celtics, 17. Kyrie plays for the Celtics. LeBron plays for the Cavs, obviously, still. They met on the court. And I'm not a dapologist, someone who studies the art of daps. I believe Marcellus Wiley is. But you remember this moment. Uh, all right. I see and it. in dapology, see if you yeah. study dap, the science of dapping up, okay. the person who puts his palm on, on a don't be happy. <laughs> the person who puts their palm on the back of your head is the father figure. Yeah. And the person who gets his head cuffed by another grown man's palm is getting sun. If you break down the dapology of that moment, dapology. LeBron's son, Kyrie Irving, hey, head, palm. Yeah. Kyrie Irving was like, you thought, <laughs> head, palm. Bron Brown was like, chill, little biscuit, head, palm. <laughs> hey, biscuit. Kyrie Irving was like, you thought, head, palm. I remember vividly mm. watching this moment and watch it one more time, y'all. Kyrie Irving was like, nope, I'm going to try to get you. And LeBron was like, nah, son, mm. you're still the son. That was the moment 
that reminded me these two don't belong together, bro. You know how hard that, Kyrie that did, got. That, that did it. You like know this. No, I'm you listening. You know how hard I'm Kyrie got to reach yeah. to yeah. his six two six three frame. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, no, in this moment, LeBron, you're not sunning me anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't play for your team. Yeah, I don't yeah. live in your house. Yeah. Stop telling me what to do. I like that. I like that. You know how hard it is for Kyrie to reach up. What is that? Seven, eight more inches to go grab him. Okay. You know how hard it is emotionally for LeBron. To say, okay, I'm going to have to try and sun you in this moment, even though you and I did some of the things together that people are going to give me props for. That's an intentional effort as well, to sun somebody like that. But I don't even know if it's sunning. There's one way to look at that. When it's obvious a difference in disparity in accomplishment and greatness, like when Kyrie Irving is not an all-NBA player, is not a champion, yeah, you're walking up to him like, come on, little man. But this is not that situation. This is a situation where they walked up to each other and they just said, look, out of mutual respect, LeBron wants to say, I'm the big dog. Correct. And Kyrie's like, well, I'm not a little dog. Doesn't mean you ain't a big dog. Just mean I ain't a little dog. And that's what they need. I think they finally realized because the one complaint about AD is where's your dog? (laughs) (laughs) So now they're looking at Kyrie and LeBron walk by each other right now in the streets of L.A. I bet you ain't no sunning going on now. It's going to be like this. Hey, how you doing? You available this offseason? Oh, let's work out together. Let's figure this out. Because AD's not only unavailable, like you, but you're unavailable for different reasons. But one thing I do know is a dog in you. Mm, Coming up, it's our favorite thing to talk about. I can feel. Yes. We'll tell you our reaction to star sprinter Shakari Richardson asking for respect from the media. That's next. (laughs) Oh, speak for yourself. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, man. It's time to talk track. And U.S. Sprinter star Sha'Carri Richardson failed to qualify for the 200-meter final Sunday at the USA Track and Field Outdoor Championships. After the race, Richardson had a message for the media. Us, take a listen. I'm coming to speak not on just my behalf, but all athletes' behalf, that when you guys do interviews, y'all should respect athletes more. Y'all should understand them coming from whether they're winning, whether they're losing, whatever the case may be. Athletes deserve way more respect than when y'all just come and throw cameras into their faces. Understand how an athlete operates and then ask your questions. Then be more understanding of the fact that they are still human, no matter just the fact that y'all just trying to get something to put out in an article to make a dollar. Thank you. Ooh, Acho. We're stuck right here because we're media. We're also athletes. So what's your reaction to Shakari Richardson asking for respect from us? Um, I got a couple thoughts. First, I will answer that. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with the message, but I do take issue with the messenger. Oh, uh, I think the message, we've heard the message from so many people. We've heard the message from Naomi Osaka. We've heard the message from Cam Newton. We've heard the message time and time again from several different athletes. Mm. Um, my issue, though, with this junction with the messenger goes back to the simple saying of you can't call for attention and hang up. There it is. Why I vividly, it? vividly, vividly recall being at a track meet, not just watching it, being at a track meet in 2021, just a year ago when Shakari runs a 1075, which is an outstanding time for a woman, a top 10 time in the history of the sport, mm-hmm. runs directly to the camera. Come get me, mm-hmm. she said. So if after your successful runs, Mm -hmm. you are going to run to the camera, then you cannot be mad when after your unsuccessful runs, the camera runs to you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily take issue with the message because there is some ration and reason to the message. I think media members, journalists do need to be a little bit more cognizant of 
how to deliver their questions. Now, okay. Marcellus Wiley has illuminated my mind and I appreciate you for it. There is an economy of sport. And the economy of sport is, hey athlete, you perform, hey media, you get the athlete to speak, hey fan, you engage with the athlete because they've spoken, hey athlete, you perform, hey media member, you get the athlete to speak, hey fan, <laughs> you engage with the athlete because mm -hmm. they have spoken. There is an economy of sport where athletes, you must speak positively or negatively after a performance because the fan wants to engage with you. Yes. Shakari has done more for fan engagement in track and field than any track and field athlete since Usain Bolt. Okay. I'll give you that. But the reason she has done so much for fan engagement is because she engages with the fans. Mm. You can't only engage when it's positive. No athlete has that luxury. Cam Newton faced the most criticism of his career for two reasons. We recall when he danced in the end zone. We recall three reasons. When he danced in the end zone, we recall when he laughed at the female reporter saying it's just funny hearing a woman ask about routes. And then we also recall after losing the Super Bowl when he was slumped over in his chair, sad, facing them questions, mm. not giving much thought or energy or answers to the questions. Those were the three reasons. Yeah. So, Shakari, if you are going to be a star, you are not immune from going through what stars have to go through. Preach, preach, preach. Um, ooh, my reaction, my reaction is that she has forgotten what she has gotten herself into, which is sports. Let's talk about sports. Before you even talk about individual talent and accomplishments, uh, you talk about just going to any track meet. The goal is to win. You've educated me on this because my goal is to PR. And you said uh, PR and get sixth place ain't going to feel good, right? <laughs> You're right, because MJ had four touchdowns yesterday and we lost again. And it's like, so my boy be going off, which is hard to get touchdowns when you lose it because that means your team ain't that good. I digress. Here's the thing. Uh, it is a results-based business. Yes, sir. And the love language of the media, of us all, are the results. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we will listen to those and those will echo louder than anything you will say. Because what we're echoing and what we're hearing are just facts. And it's amazing that Shakiri finds herself now in this position that she thinks that she wants to talk on behalf of all athletes. Well, let me just respectfully decline and say, not on my behalf. I understood this from a young age all the way throughout my entire playing career, which is this. If you win, it's just going to feel better. It's just going to look better. It's just going to be better. If you lose, quiet time and make it better. What do they say in winning? Say it's us. And in losing, say it's me. She has that flipped. She has one fingernail on the podium trying to climb up. And as soon as she carry, looks like she's going to be on that podium. All of a sudden, you hear all these words, all of these statements. But then, Shakira, you can't now cry for, for help and need an umbrella from all of the raining of criticism coming your way because now you are in a losing situation. Just two weeks ago, Shakira won. Me and you were privately texting about it. I was pumped. I was like, go ahead. Because if you're going to talk that much, I want you to walk that much. And she's not doing it at the same level. She's taking a step forward and two steps back. For every 100 she runs, it really feels like a 200 because she's going one back, one back. And I don't understand why she keeps putting this cart before the horse. Why does she want to be why does she want to be a spokeswoman before she wants to be an Olympic champion? That's what needs to come first. And then the volume of not only what she's saying, but the message in there will be louder than anything she could do in these losing moments. Here, Cell, is the question I have for everyone to ponder mm. 
Why is there an inverse correlation between success on the court, field, track, and your success off of it in social media? Since Sha'Carri Richardson mm. was in that Nike and Beats by Drake commercial, she has not had major success off of the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since that commercial finished last, ninth place at a huge meet pre-Fontaine in Oregon. Yeah. Since that commercial goes and finishes 23rd out of 31 runners in America, not the world, in America, and finishes, I believe, 10th out of 24 runners in the 200 in America, not the world in America, 23rd in the 100 out of 31, and 10th out of 24. Mm. Naomi Osaka, since she was on the cover of Time magazine, okay. and since she had that Netflix documentary, from what I see, withdraw from the French Open in 21, you lose in the round of 16 at the Olympics. You lose in the round of 32 at the U.S. Open. You lose in the round of 32 at the Australian Open. You lose in the round, the first round of 128 at the French Open. And you withdraw from Wimbledon, if my statistics are correct. Now, Amy Osaka was the number one tennis player in the world. World. But since she was featured cover of time and featured with the Netflix stock, you see the lack of success. Mm. Simone Biles is the greatest gymnast ever. But since we saw the commercial featuring the goats in the commercial, literal goats, you know, the parallel between greatest of all time, mm -hmm. all of a sudden for Simone Biles, she falls short for Simone Biles. We're talking about the greatest ever. There appears to be an inverse correlation between your success on the field and your praise off of the field. When you think about athletes like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you missed it last week, Sel. I ran into Giannis at his movie premiere. I did see I that. I finally saw social. my guy. He looked at me and he said this. Hey, you the guy to be talking mess, huh? He says, honestly, I don't really watch. I'm not on social media, but people send it to me. Uh -huh. Then I end up telling him I talk mess about everybody else but you. <laughs> All that to say, Giannis didn't even realize I'm his biggest fan because mm. he's not on social media. Mm. I saw one world record fall at U.S. championships yesterday. I was there. I spent the weekend in Eugene, Oregon, because I'm a true track fan. I saw one world record fall. Mm. It was in the 400-meter hurdles by a woman named Sydney McLaughlin, I believe a 22-year-old black woman named Sydney McLaughlin. The reason I state her age and her, her, uh, her uh, uh, color, her race, is because Simone Biles, Sha'Carri Richardson, mm. Naomi Osaka, they all fall into this same demographic. 24 and below, black woman. I saw one world record fall, Cindy McLaughlin. Cindy McLaughlin, don't be on social media. A little bit, but not, not but like not that. Okay, I hear you. Sydney ran a I world record and didn't even post about it. Mm. So Her when bad. I think of it, I agree. Her bad. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm listening. Runs a world record and doesn't post about it. Mm. Her bad. I agree. Mm -hmm. But then I would say, is it her bad? Because based upon the inverse correlation between praise and publicity and success, maybe Sydney's the one that has it figured out. Yeah. Because what it appears based upon my limited sample size yeah. of the Sydney McLaughlin's, the Giannis Santetokounmpo's, it is hard to maintain being the best in the world yeah. while simultaneously being the best at branding. Yeah. It appears you have to pick one. It appears based on track success, Sha'Carri has made the wrong choice. Now, based off off the track success, Sha'Carri's made the right choice. Yeah. But based off track success, she's made the wrong one. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, great examples because you can't, argue those examples but you can't argue a greater perspective than just those examples and here what i would argue that lebron james is mastered where you don't have to pick one but he does 
But he goes know, dark. But he goes dark. Yeah, you could pick time. Look, I go on vacation. I actually go on social media more on vacation because <laughs> I got free time. Other than that, I'm chasing kids around here daily. So no f- free time. But you could pick and choose your times of when you're really getting involved with social media. But LeBron James, like in terms of his branding, no, he's not lost a single brand sponsorship because of what he says on social media or has he fallen off on the court because of his engagement but that's the word engagement why do these cats all of a sudden it seems like they're going down but they're still going up in the real world in terms of sponsorship engagement companies are like yo people are talking about you they're not saying good things all about you but they're talking about you right now if i wanted to be more popular on social media i think i know the formula just be crazy be wilder do more be more daring let it all out no inhibition but at the same time, like, I'm not here for that. I represent more than just, oh, y'all caught me on a viral video. Here's my inch issue with this to sum up what you said for me. These athletes are louder in losing moments. And you just mentioned it. You mentioned all of the examples. And let's add Kaepernick to it as well. Because when he was kissing biceps, the hat was backward, different team. And he was in the Super Bowl. We didn't hear nothing about all the issues that were still going on at that time. They get into these losing moments and then they get louder. And to me, and I've always called it like this, that is protection. Because you got to remember, I found myself in losing moments and I wanted to find an out without looking at myself on the end. So I kept looking around like, damn, I could blame we lost our tackle. No, I could blame that we don't have Junior Seau. We don't have all these players. We don't, no, I could blame that they ain't got enough on off. I, Who hasn't been a guy or gal in a moment where it's going down and you didn't want to find the mattress? But you don't look for the mattress in these moments. You're supposed to look for the mirror and fix what your issue is. And with Shakiri, she just didn't know what she was getting herself into. Mm, She she was the fastest woman ever under the age of 20. She had the collegiate record at 1075. She thought that she had it all figured out. And then she made that graduation to the pro level. And then every woman you're racing, that's all they do. Every single day, every single way. So now, hey girl and fresh outfits ain't gonna get you on that podium. But you think it's gonna protect you when things go bad. And I understand why she's doing it, but I am not absolving her of the wrong when she does it. Can we get the sound one more time? Can we get Uh-oh. the sound, Let's the Shakari sound one more time? Uh, y'all let me know if we can, otherwise I will... Here we go. Oh, let's hear I'm coming to speak not on just my behalf, but all athletes' behalf, that when you guys do interviews, y'all should respect athletes more. Y'all should understand them coming from whether they're winning, whether they're losing, whatever the case may be. Athletes deserve way more respect than when y'all just come and throw cameras into their faces. Understand how an athlete operates and then ask your questions. Then be more understanding of the fact that they are still human, no matter just the fact that y'all just trying to get something to put out in an article to make a dollar. Thank you. See, I think the other the other disconnect here is, remember Draymond Green? Mm. Just was that? three weeks ago. Okay. Draymond, after uh. his losses, he going to the podium like, yo, I'm here. I got to be here after my losses. If I'm going to be here after my wins, I'm going to be here after my losses. What did Draymond say when they were getting beat by 55 points against the Memphis Grizzlies? (laughs) He dancing in Memphis with them while they playing whoop that trick. (laughs) Because Draymond is like, if I'm going to sit here and dance when Mm. I'm winning, Mm. I'm going to sit here and dance when I'm losing. Because say what you will about Draymond, and Draymond be a loose cannon at times too, but he understands the economy of the sport. Okay. 
And he understands the economy of the sport is very simple. I cannot get all the praise when I win and try to be omitted of the blame when I lose. There it is. And Draymond, of all the things he may not have figured out, he has figured this out more than anybody else, which is, yo, when I win, I got to stand and take it. And when I lose, I got to stand and take it. And I believe to your point, yep. I think Shakari is just going to continue to have to understand you cannot get the glory and not be willing to take the blame. Mm-hmm. Both of those come with the sport. Whether you like it or you hate it, they both are necessary for the sport. Say it, say it, say it. And for your, your emotional state, for your mental health, for, your, for the joy of what you're doing right now. doesn't sound real joyful and joy, joyous when you see someone Every time they lose, they go to this same move. This is her. This is her move now. When she suffers, she's going to tell everyone to be nicer to her. What I decode from that is basically be nice to me when I lose because I'm still going through stuff. Well, you're in the wrong business because if you're not at the top of that podium, we got questions for you and they're not going to be flattering from the silver medalist on down. That's just the way it goes. So. To help her is something that I use in my life. I add up those with me, not against me. And trust me, I'm always going to have a number count of those with me, and I'm always going to have a number count of those with me, against me. But I don't add them up. And what's happening with Shakira is she letting them start to dictate terms to her and how she should feel. They're not going to be nice to you, Shakira, when you lose. Beyonce said something. Her new, new album out. Not out yet. It ain't out? She got a single. She oh, got a single. Okay. That's single. Bang it. And you know what she said is interesting, and this is kind of like old athlete, new athlete, old media, new media. Beyonce said that artists, they don't make albums anymore. They just want to hit. They just want to single. They just want to go tour and get that money and then come back and then figure out something else. And I'm starting to see that with these athletes as well. They just want to spaz. They just want to say something in one moment. They don't want to put a body of work together. You don't want to make the Olympics, actually win a medal, and then come back and say, talk to me. Instead, you want to talk your way up to that podium. It's not going to happen because in sports, you know this pro sports. To get those same winning results, you're going to have to redefine and do it differently. Coming up. Who is the scariest quarterback in football is the question. Is it Patrick Mahomes? What about reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers? We'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. Okay, it's time to add up those against us. We always debate about the best quarterback in the NFL, but what about the scariest? (laughs) Our guy Bucky Brooks recently gave his list of the scariest quarterbacks in the league with Patrick Mahomes in the top spot, followed by Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. That got us thinking about our own list for the top five scariest quarterbacks in the league. So, Acho, get us started. I'm in zone. I'm in zone. Oh, that's how it happens in zone, too. That's how it <laughs> like right out of my coverage. Who's your list? Let's start with your first. Ah, Man, my mm. scariest quarterbacks, my top five, over what you always got to do like you do in March Madness. Who's your first out? Yes. And my first out is actually Russell Wilson. So, he narrowly makes the list, but unfortunately, Ooh. Russ misses the cut. So, let's Ooh. get right now to number five. Number five, Joe Burrow. Cool, Joe. Here you go. One hit wonder, Joe. Let me stop. If you can get, and watch out for this sale, this don't make the trick. If you can get to the Super Bowl in your second year as a starter, coming off an ACL injury, then that's very, very, very scary. And I'm also looking at Joe Burrow's body of work. You and I have talked about that in the last block. Body work is you're clearly good at every level (laughs) because in college you went to a national championship and won, and then in the league you went to the Super Bowl in your second year. That to me is scary. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, of course. Region Aaron Rodgers is scary, not just because he's an MVP. Back to back. But he's scary because regardless of what your lead looks like over the course of a game, you know if Aaron Rodgers has the ball with a minute left, seconds left, 
38 seconds left, mm. Dallas Cowboys fans. He can march down the field, and he can set you up to win the game. Aaron Rodgers is forever one of the scariest quarterbacks to me. Number okay. three. We're here. Patrick Mahomes. Mm, Patrick uh, Mahomes only higher than Aaron Rodgers because we've seen it lately. Do it, Kels. Do it. Do it. 13 <laughs> seconds. So That's all Patrick Mahomes needed yes. to get down God, the field, oh, put hurts. the game into overtime Ooh. against Ooh. the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. 13 seconds. Mm. That's all Patrick Mahomes needed. You can never go to sleep when you're facing that guy. And number two, yes. Lamar Jackson. You? <laughs> Lamar We're talking oh, about scary. Yes. Lamar Jackson is forever scary to yes, me. I'm yes. also doing this mm. list based upon who would I least want to face. Okay. Right? When there's no scarier quarterback than the one that can run. Okay. Because you will be in your beautiful zone position. You'll be on the hash. You'll be 12 <laughs> yards deep, two yards outside the numbers, right, ready to intercept the dig. Yes. The next thing you know, Lamar Jackson will tuck and run. Now you got to make an open field tackle. Good Lord. That is scary. Okay. Lamar Jackson, number two. Mm. Number one, Josh Allen. Ah, Josh Allen's scary because he is an aggregation of all these dudes on a list. You could be in that perfect zone coverage trying to pick off the butt, Drop the butt, though. And Josh (laughs) Allen will have that ball come right by you. Or he might tuck and run that joint like you see there. And then worse, Josh Allen is big enough to truck you if you sleep. Mm. It's 6'5", 240. Mm. He's big enough if if you sit here and try to squat down and make the tackle, you might end up on your back. You've seen him hurdle several defenders. He can embarrass you with his legs, embarrass you with his arm. Mm. Top five, top five, top five. I love that because you went between the ears. Who is really striking fear in you? So I see some familiar names on there. So here's my top five, but we got to start off with our first out. Respectfully, I had to put him here. It hurts. Lamar Jackson. You know why? He's not scaring me so much because I don't see the deep threat on the roster consistently. Let's be real. So why would I have to protect the back end to the same level? So now all I have to worry about is really him and Mark Andrews and that combination. I know Lamar Jackson's going to go run around and scare me in that respect, but it's not going to be full throttle. It's not going to take advantage of the full field because, one, they don't have the deep threat. Hollywood Brown's gone, and even that was a one-year wonder in terms of results and more importantly the play calling is just too they have the fullback in the slot sometimes you're not scaring me with lamar jackson and having a fullback in the slot and then mark andrews who i think is a beast at tight end mark jackson my first out hate to do it but it hurts matthew stafford's coming in at number five now matthew stafford should be higher on this list but i'm waiting to see the bounce back from Cooper Cup this year. Cooper Cup was insane last mm-hmm. year. Maybe the best receiver we saw in football. But then if you look at the years before, it was kind of a coupled effect with him and Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. Now OBJ may be back, may not be back. But what are they going to do in terms of a balancing act? And what will Cooper Cup do as a respect to what he did last year? That's going to be interesting to see. Number four, Herbie Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert really should be higher on the list, except the bouncer keeps saying, can't get into the playoff club. And he has not yet been in the playoff club. So why is he so scary? I know when he's on the field, that arm. I don't know what they're going to call this. Let me just call this a, a, X, a XY flat out roll Herbert 55Z pass cross. You ever that play is that Herbert runs this play? That's the best play. That's not an offensive play, huh? Obviously not. <laughs> Done it. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers back to back MVP. But Aaron Rodgers Aaron. in the playoffs, he should be three, four-ish just because San Francisco 49er game. What are you going to do? You got other targets outside of Devontae Adams, and he's not taking full advantage of it. The shortcomings that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers are late in the playoffs is why he's not higher. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Struggle not to put him at number one because Patrick Mahomes on the field, 13 seconds. Peace. 
that's enough. However, Patrick Mahomes realized that he won that game, but he lost that individual battle in terms of quarterback to who? Number one, Josh Allen. No one can do it all better than Josh Allen. As you talk about his attributes, let's talk about his intangibles. Like everything about Josh Allen, you can check the boxes in terms of improving every year, leading this team, and more importantly, look at all of these physical skills on display every single time he's out there. As a defender, he's the scariest quarterback. Let me ask you this. Who are you most afraid to play? Is this your same list? Because I, I really decided scariest based on who am I most afraid to play if I had to line up? Okay. Are you most afraid to play these guys in this order? Yeah. No, right here it would change. I'm not going to lie. Somehow, someway, I'm not scared of Green Bay this year just because I don't know about Devontae Adams and how they're going to retool. Obviously, they're leaning defense this year. I will bump everyone up. I even will put Green Bay maybe below Lamar Jackson and the Ravens because they're going to be healthy. They're going to have their running game, et cetera. How you explain your list? So me, again, Josh Allen puts fear in my eyes as a backer because I hated having to drop back being perfect coverage. Yes. I'm right under Stephon yes. Diggs. Yes. Gabriel Davis, I just peeped him on the over route. Yeah. Then yeah. Josh Allen, pass it, pass it. Ain't nobody open any time. It. I hate having to deal with that. Mm. Lamar Jackson, very similar. Having to prepare for an offense like that, Sal, you know how it is. Zone reads, am I tackling the running back? But now Lamar Jackson's kept it. I'm all types of confused. Mahomes, we just know him and Andy Reid are great. Yeah. Like yeah. Mahomes doesn't truly scare me as much because he's not that fast. Now his arm does go crazy, but there was a lot of schematics with Mahomes. And opportunistic. He and knows how and when to pick his point. Now that Tyree Kill is gone and yeah. I really just got to focus on Travis Kelsey, yeah. I'm yeah. not as scared. Rodgers, I've been burned by Rodgers. So I'm all forever <laughs> scared of Aaron Rodgers. I get it. Burrow, he's actually the least intimidating. I was about to say, he should be first out, second out, Correct. third out. He should Correct. be out. He should just he's be out. He's the least intimidating. On, but there's one of them things, Sal, where Burrow to me is a young Tom Brady. In the sense that no. he just makes it add up. Physically, attributes do nothing to scare me. But somehow, some way, everybody is great around mm. Burrow. Then mm. Russ, we've just seen him come back from so many games so many times. Well, everyone's great around Burrow because everyone's great around Burrow. Like, Joe Mixon is great, like, individually. <laughs> Jamar Chase is great individually. Joe Burrow's amazing. He's not Tom Brady in that respect. Tom Brady made it all come together because you could trust in him and just rely on him. You could do that with Joe Burrow, but it's more of his moxie. He, like, infuses some confidence into other guys. He demonstrates it a little differently than Tom Brady. But I look at my list, all of these guys are amazing. But when we talk about Josh Allen in terms of him being able to do everything, no matter what list you're going to construct, Josh Allen will find himself not only on the list, but high up on that list. Now let's switch gears up to the USFL where the championship matchup is set. The Stars face the Stallions for the USFL title. Take a look at the action from the semifinal round. Welcome to Canton, Ohio for the first semifinal in the USFL postseason. Where you can feel the buzz. Kevonte Turpin, the MVP of the league. How about this play to start things off? Victor Bolden. Nobody's going to catch him. See you later. Woo! Big hit. Bam, he gets crushed. My man laid some serious wood. Cookus, he's got room. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Hey, nice contact. Hey, nice Smith, how about that for an answer? Perez picked off in a huge upset here in this USFL semifinal. Bang, bang, oh 
USFL semifinal came down to the wire this weekend. Close games. There's always a play or two that determine the outcome. Sell. you got to start off with your championship moment. Oh, man. Let's get it going, boy. The stars were down. One with two minutes left in the game. And then the generals punted it away from midfield, expecting to pin Philadelphia deep. But Uh-oh. Maurice Alexander Uh-oh. Jr., I think he has some other ideas. Let me get, which button do you hit now to go that fast now on, on Sega? The all-USFL returner took the punt 88 yards to the house. Alexander earned the North Division final player of the game and punched the Stars ticket to the USFL final this Sunday on Fox. Don't clown my Sega. Never Don't clown my Sega. I knew you were Atari, anyone? You've never Odyssey. aged yourself more on television than you aged yourself just then. Y'all don't play Sega no more? Sega? Sega? Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog and all that. They ain't, they ain't anything. What y'all want now? <laughs> oh, that's bad, bro. I'm old. That's bad. Who you okay, got? Okay, I'm going to see your punt return and raise you this Victor Bolden kickoff return oh, for go. a touchdown mm. just before the half. Game was tied. 14 mm. all. Bolden, he broke a big one. Now, I've been Focus. telling y'all to look out for Bolden all you season have. now. This dude been sliding, y'all. He been sliding. Hey. And y'all can see why. Game-changing kick return. Bolden led the league in all-purpose yards. And the 90-yard return he just had helped the Stallions get to the title game. Sell, where can they watch that title game? Oh, man, it's the inaugural USFL championship game live from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. Birmingham Stallions and Philadelphia Stars go head-to-head in a quest take home the historic first title at Sunday, 7.30 Eastern on Fox. Coming up, Kevin Durant sent a strong message to his critics. We'll tell you if we like him clapping back. That's next on Speak for Yourself. You know Nintendo was around when I was young too, so like, Kevin Durant has been getting a lot of attention lately after the Warriors won their latest title. Without him, mm, critics have been coming at KD and a two-time NBA champ reacted to the apparent disrespect on his podcast saying, quote, y'all just be hating on the gods. <laughs> I love it. You think I'm a six-year veteran in the league, the way people talk about me like I ain't did bleep before I went to Golden State. So go do your research. I've been this. Got to bring in Fox NBA analyst Slick Rick Dubuque, but I chose. You like Kevin Durant's response to the critics? Uh, I don't for several reasons. Number one, I just don't like when people refer to themselves as deities. Like, I just, I mean, kings, queens, great. When we start saying gods. I'm gods like, in us. No, anybody? Yeah, either way. I'm not, a, I, I'm not a god, respectfully. Okay. Um, respect to all religions. Um, now, with that being said, Slick, it's deeper than that. The reason I don't like it is because I'm like, Kevin Durant is the most unsecure superstar, top 10 player I think we've seen. So he's so high up, why does he need to shoot down at this type of nonsensical nonsense? Mm. Like, KD, you are a fringe top 10 player. Who cares what these cats got to say? But the reason, Slick, I think KD cares what people are saying is because KD knows there's some truth to what they are saying. Sell says it all the time, hit, dogs, holla. Uh KD, you were a bona fide dude before going to Golden State. You absolutely were. But Golden State's what made you Kevin Durant. Let me break this down very simply and honestly, I ain't got to say nothing else. You better not. We brag about Michael Jordan going six for six with no game sevens. But that's not the most impressive thing Jordan did. To me, the most impressive Jordan did, the most impressive thing Jordan did over his career, averaging 37 points a game in a season. Mm. 
mm. or ring the scoring champ 10 freaking times. Mm. Slick, you're not going to see another scoring champ 10 times. You will see more people win six titles. You will see uh, uh, more people maybe go to no game sevens. But you're not going to see somebody be a scoring champ 10 times. But that's not what we brag about. We brag about Jordan's collective success coupled with some of the individual mm. success. But it was a collective success that made Jordan Jordan. He averaged the 37 points a game before he ever won a chip. But Jordan wasn't Jordan till he went six for six, no game sevens. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has yeah. become Kevin Durant, Slick, because he won two chips, two finals MVPs. If we can be really real, I'm going to throw a full screen at y'all, which y'all might not like, Ooh. but it's just the truth. Let's see. Outside of Golden State, Kevin Durant and James Harden have entirely too similar of careers. 12 seasons, 13 seasons. One, tie, one finals appearance, one finals appearance. Both got an MVP, four scoring titles, three scoring titles. Without Kevin Durant's stay in Golden State, him and James Harden's career are much more nearly associated than his career, that's Kevin Durant's, and the career of a top 10 player of all time. So Kevin Durant, we acknowledge, bro, you were a bad, bad, bad man mm. before joining Golden mm. State. But it was the joining mm. of Golden State that really solidified your legacy and cemented you as Kevin Durant. Uh, Acho, when you first started out, I was like, I don't know that I can add anything to this because Acho and I are thinking along the same lines. Like, why are you punching down? I, I have no problem with KD responding to uh, his, well, responding to his critics, re- responding to criticism or taking this challenge. The problem that I have is who he was saying it to and when he's saying it. Mm. Acho, this idea that, like, let's just take away the two years or actually the three years that he played with Golden State and say, if not for that, he would be James Harden. You can't take that away. (laughs) Because to your point, you said he won two championships and he was the MVP, the finals MVP. He was. He helped win those championships. So this idea that, again, we keep falling into this narrative like those three years don't count or those three years are really a function of the Golden State Warriors. No, Kevin Durant did all that he did for the Golden State Warriors to have all the success that they had. And so I'm not going to put him in the same camp as James Harden because I don't know that James Harden could have gone to Golden State and done what Kevin Durant did for three years. The problem that I have is who he's saying it to. Who are these critics? Like, who do you, like, to your point, Emmy, like, why should you care? These are sort of nameless, faceless, uh, general named people out there, voices that are suggesting that you're not all that. You don't have to do, you don't have, uh, you have nothing to say to them. There's no, there's no winning in saying anything to them. You're actually taking them, you're taking yourself down to their level. And then there's the when. Like, this is not the time to be fighting this battle. The Brooklyn Nets are in disarray. You just got swept out of the first round. Like, go show that people have forgotten who you are before you start trying to remind them during the offseason after getting swept by the Celtics. This is not the time to be waging this battle because you can't possibly win it, and you're not going to win it against the people that you're criticizing. 
Oh, Slick, I disagree with you right now, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. That's conventional logic. Let's look deeper on this one because there's no wrong time to do the right thing. So, Kevin Durant, do the right thing and remind these people who you are. I think it was Roy Jones Jr. Yes, it was. Roy Jones Jr. famously had that song. Y'all must have forgot. And it sounds like that these critics out there must have forgot who Kevin Durant really was. Kevin Durant was the same guy that was recruited to go to Golden State because the Golden State, after winning 73 games, could not beat LeBron James. So there was one guy on the planet universally respected as being the rival to LeBron James as a great. And it was Kevin Durant. Who could go bucket for bucket with LeBron James? Kevin Durant. Who could have the size to at least alter some of LeBron James' shots just because Kevin Durant can move as well and play positions on the perimeter as well as play your center position? Kevin Durant. See, y'all forgot what they were thinking of Kevin Durant when they went out there and recruited Kevin Durant. So Mm. Kevin Durant basically was there to be an eraser or neutralizer to LeBron James. They didn't have that on this team. Think about it. Steph Curry, stop. We're always going to defer you and your defensive responsibilities to Iggy and the others. What about Clay? He was the best two-way player at the time. Yeah, but he wasn't built to deal with LeBron James. This was Kevin Durant's duty, and it was a mission accomplished. So now Kevin Durant sits there in Brooklyn. Obviously, it's tumultuous times, and everybody's like, ah, this is the wrong time to talk. Kevin Durant is like, nah, B. I've had three stops. I'm in my third one currently. I had my stop in OKC. I had my stop in Golden State. And I got mine right now in Brooklyn. Do y'all know, have y'all dug into the numbers? Have y'all looked at me? Do y'all know that the best version of me wasn't even in Golden State? Because I truly had to defer some of that to Steph Curry. You can look at the points per game average. You can look at the rebounds, assists, field goal, three-point, everything. Kevin Durant wasn't his best version in Golden State, and he still was the best player on that team, and he still won two finals MVPs on that team, sunning everybody else wearing that Warriors uniform. All I'm saying is, y'all may be mad at him for calling himself a god, even though the god is in him. All he's saying is put some respect on his name before he had to go out there and hit you with that baby and that cry voice. Uh, I'll say a couple things. Uh, Number one, I believe Kevin Durant was his best version in Golden State because that was the only time we started talking about Kevin Durant as the best player in the world. Now, his statistics, he may have not had his most statistically great seasons in Golden State, but I think Kevin Durant peaked as a basketball player in Golden State. And truth be told, because he didn't have to do so much of the other's noose and stuff that star players have to do. But... The real issue is this. (laughs) Kevin Durant said, y'all act like I didn't do ish before I got to Golden State. Uh, y'all didn't do, I didn't do stuff before I got to Golden State. Yeah. Slick, it's dawned on me now. It's not that Kevin Durant didn't do stuff before he got to Golden State. He just didn't do stuff that we don't care about before he got mm. to Golden State. Mm. And that, I think, is the pivotal difference. Before he got to Golden State, mm. he won an MVP. Steve Nash won a couple MVPs. A lot of guys, James Harden won an MVP. Russell Westbrook won an MVP. Before he got to Golden State, he went to a Finals. Russ went to a finals. Chuck went to a finals. Harden went to a finals. Before he got to Golden State, he was a scoring champ. Congratulations. Harden's been a scoring champ. Russ, I believe, has been up there in scoring champs. So it's not that you didn't do anything before you got to Golden State. You did. You Mm. just didn't do anything we care about before you got to Golden State. Reason being, a lot of people have done what Kevin Durant did before he got to Golden State. But we don't talk about a lot of people. 
We talk about Kevin Durant because when he got to Golden State, things changed. Oh, man. I got to go a la carte here with you guys <laughs> because there are pieces of things that both of you are saying that I agree with, but I can't take them in entirety. Uh, mm. Emmy, I agree with you. The best version of Kevin Durant that we've seen is with the Golden State Warriors. I disagree with you in the idea that it was because he just did all the star quality stuff. No, he was a shot blocker. He was a rebounder. He defended like he did everything there. That's why I believe that we thought he was at the time the best player or made uh, a, a case for him being the best player in the league while he was with Golden State. And uh, Marcellus, <laughs> I'm here. I agree with you that he accomplished uh, great things in, in Oklahoma City prior to getting to Golden State. He put Oklahoma City on the map. They were a formidable annual to contender with uh, Kevin Durant there in spite of things not working perfectly with Russ Westbrook and it being Oklahoma City. So there's this, this lane in between both of you that, I need to take here because, Emmy, you're not giving uh, KD nearly enough credit for what he's been. And where I differ with you, uh, Wiley, is that at this point, there's nothing to be gained by going out there. I mean, this is where we started. Do you like that he came back at his critics? No, ultimately, I don't like it because, as Emmy said, like, no, you don't get to decide if you're a god. You don't get to decide if you're the all-time great. You're like... That always, and Who maybe does? I'm showing my age here, but I, I take issue with that. Muhammad Ali is my favorite athlete, the greatest athlete of all time. But what did he say? Afterward, I am the greatest. I was saying that even before I knew I was. Because that's part of the boxing game, and that's part of, of promoting. That's not what we have here. KD is elevating himself to a place that isn't for him to decide. That's what we love about Jordan and Kobe is because they didn't say I'm the greatest. They just went out every night to prove it. And that's what I need from Kevin Durant right now. There is nothing he can say that is going to dissuade the critics during the offseason that they're wrong. He can't he can cite anything he wants and it's not going to make the case. He needs to get back on the floor and he needs to prove it. He needs to remind them who he is, and how good Slick, he is. Slick, real quick. And Emmy, no, he hasn't peaked yet. Real quick. He's still capable of that. I got some Slick, the reason that I, I would say that I take credit away from Kevin Durant is because, truth be told, I do believe that several players, by several, I would submit seven to ten, could have joined that Warriors team and won two right. titles Acho, in three years. Acho, 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 first of all, truth be told, is almost in the same category as saying, uh, I I'm a god, okay? <laughs> we'll decide whether you're telling the truth or not, okay? Uh, this yeah. is not, you are immediately going to seven <laughs> or ten guys. <laughs> you know, they could have won a championship here, if they were in that position. Okay, let's just do this. Uh -uh. I'll nope. say this. I'll nope. say it like this, because I brought up James Harden. Okay. I'm saying I believe if James Harden joined that Warriors team, a 73-win Warriors no team that was one win away no from winning a title. No way. No I think, way. I think no. a Warriors team no would not play defense. He's, they needed Stop. him for defense. Stop. Like, Kevin Durant oh, yes. defensively. Yes. They, would the Warriors yes. have gotten worse with James Harden on the squad? They wouldn't have won. Potentially, yes. Yeah. You, I, you, actually, you, no, you, you they have to say they would have gotten worse, though, Sal, because uh, they already were 
up to They could have. Okay, they, they could have. Okay, fair. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take you gotta tell me they would have gotten worse. Go ahead. I, I love this conversation because everyone is mad at Kevin Durant for saying he's a god, but then everyone else is saying we'll say that if you don't say anything, Kevin Durant. Let your play speak for itself. But that's putting the onus on the crowd. That's putting the onus of the critic. That's putting the onus on the population at large when Kevin Durant can say whoever the hell he thinks he is. Now, if he backs it up. That's the conversation we're having. And I think he has backed it up. And that's what Kevin Durant is like. Look, y'all act like I said I was a guy when I got drafted, when I couldn't bench press my weight. No, I'm saying it now. Y'all looking back at me like, dog, I'm making, I'm making this happen for teams that had 73 wins that couldn't make it happen. <sighs> I get where you're coming from, though, Acho. I respect this. Like, Acho said that you're doing things that we care about in Golden State and everywhere else we don't. Because when you're in a small market, or when you don't win championships, it just seems like the masses don't care. But it doesn't mean that Kevin Durant wasn't still out there doing mm -hmm. exactly what he was doing. So Kevin Durant's getting caught up in these arguments. This is what I really see. It's a cherry on top conversation that we have. Uh, I, I personalize it. Uh, growing up, you know, people were saying he's smart. He's smart. He's smart. Whatever that sounds like. Right. But you know what? They stopped questioning how smart I was once I got a degree from Columbia. When they still should be questioning me if I'm smart or not based on content, not, oh, do you have that degree? So Slick knows exactly mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. There's a great mm -hmm. difference between what you have achieved and what you have accomplished. Y'all like, what? Here's an example. I was a national track and field. I need to see Acho's face so he can roll his eyes when I say this. I was a national track and field champion. Not record holder? <laughs> and, oh, you know I got an and. And <laughs> national record holder. Let me tell you how this goes, because everyone knows youth sports goes like this. It's a Bantam division, midget division, youth division, etc. Y'all may name them differently, but basically that's what it is. If you're at the bottom of the division, which they say the young kids are, right? Two things are happening. You're hoping to compete, but more importantly, you're excited for the next year because you'll be the older kid, top of the division. I won nationals and set a national record at the top of the division. Guess what, Acho? I went out there and I accomplished more. The next year, I'm at the bottom of the division with the older kids. All of a sudden, I run faster. But guess what I didn't do? Accomplished more. I just achieved more. And Kevin Durant is like, y'all getting it twisted. I am the one who not only have accomplished, but I actually achieved it. And y'all still don't want to give me my props. Well, if y'all question me, y'all going to have to question God because I know Kevin Durant's been out there balling. Coming up, Kevin Durant's teammate, Kyrie Irving, another God, is going through his own drama, Acho Mad. We'll tell you if the Lakers will be a better option for him than the Nets. Next on Speak for Yourself. A report says Kyrie Irving has created a list of six teams he'd like the Nets to consider working on a sign-and-trade deal. Now, if they cannot agree on terms for him to stay in Brooklyn, one of those teams appears to be the Lakers. And a report says LeBron James' squad is the only team known to be seeking Kyrie in a sign-and-trade deal. Slick Rick is back with us. But, Sal, are the Lakers a better option for Kyrie than the Nets? No. Um, if you're Kyrie Irving, you want to stay still in Brooklyn. What do they say? It's better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? And in terms of Brooklyn and their road to success, you know what that looks like, especially in the Eastern Conference, which I think this year going forward will be easier competition 
to the top than it will be in the reloaded and revitalized Western Conference. So, Kyrie Irving, mm. uh, don't go to the Lakers because now you're trying to do this formula. Even though LeBron may want you there, you're going to combine an unavailable player in Anthony Davis with another unavailable player in Kyrie Irving and say we're going to have better circumstances, better results. I don't see how that's going to work out for them. So I look at this situation totally as this. The Lakers were bad last year, and it was a disaster by many accounts. But you know why they describe hell as an abyss? Because never forget, no matter how bad something is, trust me, it can still get worse. And if you bring AD, along with Kyrie, and LeBron together with those expectations, remove Russell Westbrook from the equation, come back, you don't have any money to play with, so you're not going to reload this team. And y'all thought it was bad last year, and then some of that unavailability starts to show its ugly head again. Whether it's an injury or issues, oh, it's going to be bad out here in Lakerland. So if I'm Kyrie Irving, I stay still with another great and Kevin Durant, and I take that road of least resistance. I'm with you, Marcellus. I don't believe that it would be good for the Lakers, and I don't believe it would be good for Kyrie Irving. Let's not forget, the Lakers were 21st in uh, defense and 23rd in offense. So will Kyrie help them offensively? Yeah, he could potentially help them offensively. Is it going to make a difference with them defensively? No, it is not. So it doesn't, by any stretch, solve any of their problems, especially if it's a sign-in trade, because the Lakers can't well afford to lose any assets that they already have. They Even adding Kyrie without losing anything else and or having to trade anything back is not necessarily going to make them better. But here's the element that has to be considered because we're, I think we're under this impression that Kyrie would go to any team and instantly make them better. And what we've seen over the three years with the Brooklyn Nets is that Kyrie is essentially as good as the team is. Now, first of all, this is going to shock you when I show you this full screen because of just how few games that he's – I don't want the highlight. I want this full screen. I'm about to say that is Of shocking. how many – there we go. There you go. Look at, first of all, just the, the number of games that he's played, the mm. limited number of games that he's played. But look at his accomplishments uh, or, or how they played in, in the games that he was available. Mm. Now, 2021 was the big year. That was also the year where they had Jared Allen and they had Jeff Green, and they were a team that was 20, 48 and 24. It was a great team. First year he's there, they don't do well with him. They don't do well without him. They have a losing <laughs> record. And this year, they were 44 and 38. Uh, again, he didn't make them better when he was available. So this notion that he would go to the Lakers and suddenly elevate them, I would dare say it's going to be whether he stays in Brooklyn or he goes to the Lakers, those teams are going to be what they are. And Kyrie Irving is going to go along for the ride, essentially. And as of right now, to your point, Marcellus, not only not not only knowing what the Nets mm, are, mm. but the fact that the Nets simply are a better team than the Los Angeles Lakers flat out is the biggest reason why Kyrie Irving should stay in Brooklyn. It is. Everything you all are saying makes sense, but y'all got to remember who Kyrie Irving is and what he has lived through. Kyrie Irving won more playoff series in his first year with LeBron James. 
than he has won in his entire career without LeBron James. In one year alone, he's won more playoff games. Kyrie Irving knows his only success has come with LeBron James, period. Not Kevin Durant, not Jason Tatum, not Jalen Brown, not Mark, nobody else but LeBron, the King, James. So if you are Kyrie Irving, I don't care how tough the terrain is. I'm looking at the fact that LeBron James is the only one that can get me over the terrain, regardless of the path that I have to traverse. LeBron James is a king that I need. So while Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn, the path might be easier, the path might be easier in the East, it might be sweeter in the East. Kyrie Irving knows slick what you know. He knows sell what I know. And he knows this much. LeBron James is the only way that he's been able to win thus far in his career. And if Kyrie Irving actually wants to get to the top of the mountain again, it's not going to be Kevin Durant that takes him there, nor is it going to be anyone else. It's going to be the man that has taken him there before. It's LeBron James. Coming up. Colin Kaepernick was called out by Hall of Famer Warren Sapp for his workout with the Raiders. We'll tell you whose side we're on. Can't miss a cap conversation. Mm. That's next. Steve, What about the big toe game? Like, slick. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick worked out for the Raiders last month, and it did not go well, according to Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. Sapp said he, quote, heard it was a disaster and one of the worst workouts ever. Kaepernick's agent responded saying, quote, I'm surprised Warren would say that because it's not true and you would think he will want Cap on a team. Hmm, Hacho, whose side are you on, Sap or Cap? I'm on Kaepernick's side on this one, Sal. Typically in an argument, the moment I hear an inclination or an ounce, rather, of stupidity, I, I have to rid myself of the entire argument. That's it? That's it. Okay. And with Warren Wait. Sapp, I heard ignorance. I won't call it stupidity, but I heard ignorance. Mm. Warren Sapp tried to make the foundation of his case that, well, we ain't seen the tape. Sapp is a Hall of Famer. He probably didn't have to go to many, if any, workouts over the course of his career. He didn't play for all that many teams. Mm. Hall of Famer. Mm. Bro, you don't see private workout tapes get released publicly. Yeah. The workouts we've seen yeah. of Colin Kaepernick are public tapes. Yeah. We saw him at the Michigan Spring Game, public. We saw him working out in Austin, Houston, Dallas, Texas, and I believe in Vegas, public. Phoenix, mm. Arizona, I believe as well, public. If you all recall in 2019, the reason Colin Kaepernick moved his workout was because the NFL wanted to hold it privately, mm -hmm. and Colin Kaepernick wanted it to be public. public. So, Sap, you can't say that this workout didn't go well, and you are skeptical of it in part because how come we ain't seen the tape? An NFL organization is not going to release a private workout to the public for several reasons. Number one, you don't want future athletes to see what they went through. Workouts are surprise. Mm. I worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders when they were in Oakland. I showed up there. You don't know what bag drills, what drills you're going to have to do. Mm. Bro, you don't even know if you're running a 40 or not half the time. Mm. You show up there and be like, hey, we're going to go to the medical eval, do some testing. Yeah, we'll time you in a little 40-yard dash, do some bag drills, get you on your way. So to make that a part of, if not the foundation of your argument, just tells me the entire argument is flawed. I'm signing with Kaepernick. On. Interesting. I didn't think you were going to go there. You know I'm team sap on this one because I'm about those actions, boss. Marshawn Lynch. You say in the argument, as soon as you hear something crazy, asinine, you out. I stick through it because I'm like, ties can turn. Just like in the game, yesterday we were up 21-0. We lost. <laughs> yeah, that part. They start triple teaming MJ. Here's the thing. I'm team sap for this reason. His fundamental argument is actually accurate. Let's start here. Has Cap been signed? No, no. So that's already leaning towards maybe the workout wasn't as glamorous, as great as advertised. 
because the Raiders didn't even sign him. Okay, whatever. So his found, funda- fundamental foundational argument is not where did they film it? Did a drone go over it? Where's the video? It was, I heard it was a disaster. Now, could Warren Sapp, former Raider, have access to anybody who doesn't want to go on the record and state this workout was bad? Mm, I think he could. So Warren Sapp may, I think he did hear, it was bad. Not a single soul would go on record and say that because that's bad for your workplace environment to say something bad about Kaepernick. So then we get to this place. We got his fundamental argument, I heard. His supporting argument was the tape if it was so damn good because you would think you want that out there for other teams. But here's the thing that let me know, come on, bro. Cap's agent told on himself, and he, he told on himself like this. I spoke to the GM several times, and he said that all he thought was Cap was in great shape, threw the ball well. Encouraged. Acho. He encouraged any team to call him about the workout, and he would tell them the same. <laughs> That's not good. You're going to tell 31 teams, he's great, he's amazing. And then all of them should say, why you ain't signing him? Ah, you got to put that in team context. Sap. Team Sap. Team Sap. Come on, man. I don't need bro. a drone for that. Put it in context, big Come dog. On, like, bro. You can't go out on a date with somebody, go out on a date with a young lady. I mean, if any of my homeboys called me, I would tell them she's an incredible person. Like, when you, yeah, when you broke that down for me like that. No, nah, I mean, she was incredible, bro. You got to take her out. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, God. <laughs> you would think you would want her as your girlfriend. You would think you would want Cap on the team. I would think the Raiders would if it went so well. Team Sap. Coming up, does the AFC West clearly have the best quarterback group in the NFL? Well, what about Joe Burrow and the AFC North? Oh, we'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. Come on, Adrian, do better. <laughs> NFL.com ranked each division based solely on the starting quarterbacks in the AFC West, featuring Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbie. Herbert came out of top. AFC North featuring Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and the Steelers combination of Mitch Trubisky and rookie Kenny Pickett came in second. So, Sel, mm. let's talk this one through. Who has the better quarterback division? The AFC West, that is the division featuring mm. Mahomes and company, or the AFC North, the division featuring Lamar Jackson and co. Did I hear you correctly? You want to talk this through? Well, we won't be talking long. It's the West. West is the best. Doesn't just rhyme. Let's look at these quarterbacks. Oh, my God. Let's beat up the AFC North before we prop up the AFC West. It's going to be tough. Joe Burrow had one great year. We don't know if he's going to have a body of work to support that one great year. Uh, we got Lamar Jackson, who you tell me is declining, but I don't know. We'll hear for this argument. Depends on what side we on. Pittsburgh, that y'all might be mitching out there. And I don't know about that. And Deshaun Watson. I don't know if he's playing this year, being real. Might be on the massage table for a year plus. So now we look at the AFC West, where they're the best. You got Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion, MVP. You kidding me? You got Russell Wilson, another champion. And then we got the talents. Let's talk about Derek Carr, most underrated quarterback in the game. And more importantly, Justin Herbert, all he needs is some playoff success to sprinkle on his first two years, which are the best two years for any quarterback in NFL history. It's hard to beat the AFC West. Yeah, luck on that one. I don't think it's a competition yeah. nor really a true conversation. Yeah. I'll go as far as to say the AFC West is one of the best quarterback divisions we've seen in the history of the sport. You mm. got to go back half a decade, mm. 2017, if you remember the NFC South when they had Drew Brees, MVP, Beast, Cam Newton, 
MVP, Matt Ryan, MVP, and even Jameis Winston, who is coming off back-to-back 4,000-yard seasons, which we had yet to see opening his career in such a fashion. So we hadn't seen or haven't seen a quarterback division as talented as this one, and God knows how long. Mm. Now, the question is, we're comparing young talent with old talent. Mm. Because Russell Wilson is 1-4 in his last five playoff games. Say it again. So what Russ has to prove in Denver is that he is still capable of being a beast. Derek Carr, he had such great early career success that I think he is still kind of being elevated off of that. Remember, Mm -hmm. he got an MVP vote early on in his career, went to three Pro Bowls just by 2017, and he was drafted in 2014. Y'all do the math. Hmm. So Derek Carr had such early career success. I think he's still floating off of that. But I don't know that anybody can contend with this AFC West. No, nah, the numbers support it. Obviously, our sentiments support it. 37 games won AFC West quarterbacks last year, despite Russell Wilson mailing in a down year. Only 17 for the AFC North. 123 passing touchdowns to 50. <laughs> Let's not even talk about Super Bowls and postseason wins and MVPs, et cetera. It gets a little lopsided. Coming up, a rookie is calling out the king. Uh-oh, LeBron, you better duck. We'll tell you if we love or hate the shots at LeBron. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Rookie Benedict Mathurin ah, was just drafted six overall by the Pacers, and he's already calling out an all-timer before the draft. Mathurin said of LeBron James, quote, a lot of people say he's great. I want to see how great he is. I don't think anybody's better than me. He's going to have to show me he's better than me. Oh, a lot of me in there. I'll tell you love or hate the Pacers rookie taking a shot at LeBron James. I hate it. So reason being is we have to stay realistic if we want to improve in this life. Mm. Uh, like you got to understand who you are and who are they. And understanding who they are guides your North Star to figure out how to get where you're trying to get to. <laughs> if you come out the gate and think you're better than LeBron James, then what's your North Star for improvement? If LeBron enters the league thinking he's better than Michael Jordan and thinking he's better than Kobe Bryant, Mm. what's his North Star for improvement? Mm. I hate it. It's ridiculous. You know what? I'm I'm interested in this one. I hate it too, but something about me says I should love it more. Why? He said a lot of people say he's great. Well, duh. Then he says, I want to see how great he is because I think I'm the best. Woo, interesting. Have you ever been in that place before? Like there's another linebacker? I think I told God him, we're going to see on the field. Then you go on the field, you realize, oh, shouldn't have been thinking that way. Mathurin, you're going to be thinking that way because that math ain't math. And that's, uh, it ain't math. <laughs> that's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Something about it that's interesting. <laughs> Something.